good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Coffee and Devotions. This is where every day we get into God's Word and we grow in our love for the Lord together. And this year, 2022, we'll make it all the way from the book of Acts to the book of Philemon. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Let's have some coffee, we'll pray, and we'll get into the Lord's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. What a blessing it is to sit at your feet, to learn from you. God, we pray that this morning you would teach us, watch over us, may we follow in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's 13 verses in that chapter, so we're going to do the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And just to let you know, uh, Paul is moving here now from the idea of divisiveness uh, to the uh, to the practical applications of holiness. And so in uh, chapter 5 and 6, he's going to deal with a few different topics. And here we're dealing with uh, what do you do with open flagrant sin? It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Are you puffed up? And have not rather mourned that he who has done this thing might be taken away from among you? For I indeed, as absent in the body but present in the spirit, have already judged as though I were present. Him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Well, We need to ask ourselves, A, what is this about? B, what's the best verse to summarize this? And 
See, what are we called to do in response to these words? I want to get the, just address the elephant in the room. This is not a popular passage. This is not what people like to hear in our culture. We're, we are very sensitive to emotions, very sensitive to feelings, and church discipline has both been abused while neglected. Uh, and so uh, let's go ahead and work through this passage together. Let's just get at what is this about, right? Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He was the pastor of this church for a number of, of years and at least 18 months. And as he is the pastor, he's gone now and other people have come in and are pastoring. He's, they know about their freedom in Christ. They know the gospel. They, they understand these things. But now there is someone in their congregation who has done something that is uh, so sinful that not even pagan people would allow this. There's, there's a word, uh, sanguinity, you know, laws of close relationship. And in the Roman era, this isn't this man's biological mother. This is most likely this man's uh, stepmother. And it was really common in the Roman era that a man, if he became widowed, he would marry a new wife, and the new wife would be significantly younger than him, which would make, make the stepmother and son really close in age, possibly. But the point is, he's not allowed to have his father's wife. This is incestual. This is not right. This is against the laws of sanguinity. Uh, this traces all the way back to Leviticus chapter 18. Right? This has been long standing, right? Even, even pagans know that you shouldn't be sleeping with your father's wife. So, how are you so. He's saying, how are, have you guys become so arrogant? Like this, this is going directly against God to say, hey, look, we know this is sinful. It's all right. No, he's like, what's happened? Something terrible has gone wrong here. God's people are about holiness, about purity, about what is good and right and perfect. And so he says, this can't keep going on. And I'm with you in spirit. And and I've already judged this, right? If if this is true, this is going on. If if what's being reported is true, you got to do something about it. The question is, what are they going to do? Well, he tells them. They need to, just like in the Passover feast, you had to go through all the house, and, and you had to take out the leaven. You couldn't have anything, any leaven in the house. And here he says, you got to treat this person the same way. You got to put them outside the camp. Why? Because the sins of one person affect the whole church. You and I, we live in a very, very individualistic society. I mean, the, the community isn't what we think about. We think about me. We think about myself. We think about I. But here, it's saying, no, 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 right? We are joined together. We are the body of Christ. This is why we can't have divisions and stuff. But what's going to happen is that this man's sin, being allowed in the church, being passed over by the people in church, going to make us think that this is okay. And I'd say to you that this, I think, goes on in the church right now. The failure to discipline people now means that the sins just keep on escalating. People wonder, how did we end up in this place where 
we see all sorts of uh, rainbow stuff on church buildings. It started by not disciplining for other sins. It started by not holding one another accountable. Matthew chapter 18, right? If your brother sins, you're to go and confront your brother. If he doesn't repent, you're to take two or three witnesses with you and then go confront him. But if he still doesn't sin, you need to bring it to the church. And so he says, Christ is our Passover lamb. Christ is the one who forgives us of our sin, washes us of our iniquity, makes us as white as snow, makes the angel of death pass over us and go on. But he's saying, but the problem is, we got to act in our lives in accordance with that reality. So he says, I wrote to you in a previous letter. Now, whether this is 2 Corinthians or uh, maybe there's a proto-Corinthian letter, maybe someday we're going to dig up uh, you know, somewhere in ancient Corinth and we're going to find this letter. I don't know. Uh, it's probably not going to change much since the Holy Spirit decided not to preserve this letter for us. But he previously wrote to them and he said to abstain from sexual immorality. Right, That's what uh, he had said in verse 9. But he wants to make clear, right? Uh, that doesn't mean that they are to are to go away from everybody who does this. He's not talking about the world. He wants to be clear here, right? When he says, do not associate with those who are sexually immoral, he's saying he's not saying, you know, uh, those outside the world. Because if you were to stay away from everybody and everything sinful in the world, guess what you'd have to do? You'd have to leave the world. We're talking about inside Jesus's family, inside Jesus's church. What do you do? How do we conduct ourselves? Right? So guess what? You're going to walk into your workplaces and there's going to be non-Christians. I don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me when some of my neighbors do things that you know don't look like what a Christian should do or believe or say. Why? Because they're not Christians. But when it comes to someone in the church who then starts behaving and acting and talking like that, I'm gonna, I might have to go talk with them. And so, in the church, we take this seriously. Now, I'm going to say to you, this has been abused. Right? Church discipline has been abused before. No surprise. We're sinful people. But I'd like to suggest to you that every time I've seen church discipline happen, it has reminded me of my need to check my own life. Now, questions I've received about church discipline, you know, one person said, uh, you know, Brian, well, everybody sins, and so at what point does it become this thing that somebody gets excommunicated for? What I normally tell people is open, unrepentant sin. This man here is in a gross sin. It's known to the whole community. It's not being hidden and is not being repented of. Right, so if if I have a struggle with my finances, I'm not I, I might not be managing things well, but it's not open. And I might be f- learning how to be better with my finances. So it's, it could be repentant. But yet if somebody is writing checks and they're bad checks, he doesn't have the money to fill those checks. And and it's being 
done all over town. Everybody knows, man, you can't take a check from Bob because, you know, that guy never pays his bill. By the way, Bob is a made-up name. I have no clue. It's not a real person, right? Uh, it's open. It's known in the community. And if somebody is, is going to the bar every single week and they're getting drunk and they're passing out every single week, it's known in the community. And they don't care about it. But they call themselves a brother. She calls herself a sister, but she's constantly drinking wine all the time and she's drunk. Everybody's able to smell it on your breath. People have confronted her about it. She won't do anything. It's open and it's unrepentant. Well, the next question I'll get is, yeah, but does this work? Well, this is where we need to be careful. Right? One, there's always an eye towards restoration. Too many people come to church discipline and they hear church discipline and they think only punitive. Now, there's a reality there because Paul here says, you know, deliver them over to Satan. Why, though? That they might be restored. That they might go into the world and at some point in their life, praying that they would see the hopelessness of this world, the end being death, and that they would come back. Uh, So, uh, does it work? Well, it's supposed to be restorative, but also we want to be careful about pragmatics. We're really good in America, in the Western culture, about only doing stuff that works rather than stuff that God commands. When we wrestle in our own hearts with, well, I saw this person disciplined, but they didn't come back, it's hard. Why is that hard? We should recognize why is that hard. Well, I think that's for a few different reasons. One is some people, it's because they truly do love this person and they want to see them each week. And this is, this is hard because these are relational bonds that are being ripped apart. But we need to recognize that that's what sin does. That's what immorality does. That's what unrighteousness does. It, it pulls apart friendships. It destroys families. And so we ought to be able to recognize that this is going to be painful. It's not going to be easy. If it's easy, something's wrong here. But also we need to recognize as well that this is what's the most loving thing for that person. We don't want them to continue in sin. We don't want them to continue going on if they're given over to lying, to think that they could just keep on lying. We want them to repent. We want them to know that God is holy and his children ought to be holy. And so church discipline has that eye towards loving our neighbor. You know, the day I became a, member in the denomination I'm in was the day a man was excommunicated. I mean, that talk about a sobering moment. The day I took my vows to become a member in the congregation was the same day a man was being put out of the congregation. And do you know what it taught me? That this was a church that took sin seriously. This was a church that loved me and loved my holiness. And this was a church that loved this man so much that they were going to encourage him and continue to, to drive him toward holiness. And they had made a public statement and a public testimony to the church 
And so when I took my membership vows, that I would heed the correction of the elders when I needed it in doctrine and in life. This was serious. So, let's go ahead and, and ask what the best verse is. Right, uh, The best verse to summarize this, well, I really like verse 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. I might even go ahead and underline verse 8. But let me know down in the comments, what, what would you underline? Would you underline something else? Oh, let me ask you, first calling, let me, let me first say, if you're one of those who have seen church discipline work well, and I know I've seen it, I've been involved in it, when a man wasn't loving his wife well, and it went through the first steps, you know, where we, uh, another friend had gone and confronted him about this, and then the two of us went, and both of us had seen him not treating his wife well, and confronted him, still wasn't responding well, so our pastor and the two of us went and confronted him, and the man eventually was restored. I didn't get to the point of him being put out of the church. But let me know down in the comments. Have you seen this happen well when somebody was put out? I can, I can think of another time, uh, but I, there's, there's lots of stories I could tell about this. But what are we called to do? Well, I think at the heart of this is an instruction for discipline, right? Uh, so we need to be a process of that church discipline. Right? I'm begging you to be an active part of the first two steps of church discipline. Go confront people. I'm not saying be nitpicky. Don't do that. Right? But when you see somebody engaging in open sin, go and talk to that person. Now, I'm not talking about micromanaging. I'm not talking about being a busybody. But when you see a brother of Christ, and it seems like they're walking down this road of, of sinfulness and they're not caring about it, go and love them. Go and confront them. It's going to be uncomfortable. Be bold. Be bold in your love. Care about their eternal well-being that they might be restored. When somebody is disciplined and they're put out of the church, and that should be rare, and when it does, it's for an open and unrepentant sin, for grave sin, we ought to take that seriously in our own hearts. But also let me encourage you to pray for that person plead with them that they would come back to Christ, that they would repent of their sin and be restored to the full fellowship of the saints. But also heed God's word here. Do the other hard thing. In our society, to shame someone is one of the worst things you could do, right? The, the psychologists today would say you know, it's psychologically damaging. It's not meant to be comfortable. It's meant to love. It's meant to show this person something has gone desperately wrong. Come back. And one of the most painful ways to do this is to say, hey, uh, thanks for inviting me over to your 4th of July party, but can't come. Thanks for you know, inviting me over to eat, but brother, I, you need to repent. 
I'd love to see you come back to church. I'd love to see you take the Lord's Supper again and, and turn back to Christ. This is hard to do because these are people we love, but the most loving thing to do is to point them to Christ. So are you praying for the people who are under discipline in your church? Are you loving them well? Are you praying for your elders in this? Man, this is not easy. Do we do it with an eye towards love? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. And we pray for your Holy Spirit that you would build up your church, that we would be faithful to your commandments, especially in regard to discipline. Lord, this is not a comfortable topic. But Father, you are the one who tells us to be bold in our holiness. Lord, please, please continue to work in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you today. May you walk in the peace of Jesus Christ, heeding all brotherly counsel. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message from God's Word for You, a ministry of Sharon R.P. Church in rural Southeast Iowa. We pray that the message would be used by God to transform your faith in your life this week. If you'd like to get more information about us, feel free to go to the website, SharonRPC.org. We'd love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship time is 10 a.m. every Sunday at 25204 160th Avenue, Morning Sun, Iowa, 52640. May God richly bless you this week.